Hey everyone, this is Yvette Hampton. Welcome back to the Schoolhouse Rocked podcast. I'm so glad you're back with me and Melissa today, or Melissa and I, right? That's the right way to say it. No, me and Melissa. Melissa and me. Melissa and me. (laughs) (laughs) Apparently, (laughs) we need to do a whole episode on uh, grammar, proper grammar. (laughs) We'll have Andrew Pudua on for that one. Um, I am thankful to have you back with me, Melissa. Um, We're talking about unit studies this week, but before we dig into our conversation again, I want to thank our sponsor, CTC Math. If you guys are looking for a great online math program, go to ctcmath.com. You can try it out for free, see if it's a good fit for you and your family, ctcmath.com. Melissa, okay, we are talking about unit studies this week. This is part of our homeschool survival series, and this is good stuff. This is really helping me to understand better what unit studies are, how they work with our families. And we are going to um, probably tomorrow in tomorrow's episode, actually go through a unit study, do kind of a mock unit study together so people can get that really practical hands-on experience with us. Um, But I do have some other questions for you Um, as you're talking. I'm writing all these questions down. I'm like, I need Mm -hmm. to know this and this and this. Um, When you're planning, you talked about how you would plan your unit studies like on a Sunday, maybe for the next few weeks. Did you bring your kids in with you and ask them like, what is it that you want to study and focus on? Or did you typically take the reins with that? I, we, I typically took the reins with that. If I had a kid, like I, our older son uh, or only son was very interested in steam trains. Of course, he was a major Thomas fan. So we did. I actually wrote a unit study on trains and, you know, all of those different things. So you could do, people would call that delight directed or interest led learning. Okay. Uh, I don't know that I, I probably did sometimes asked them you know, there's one unitstudies.com. I believe that's the website. Uh, Amanda okay. Bennett wrote a lot of unit studies and you can purchase them individually. Um, so, and the hers are topic. So what we've talked about a little bit is a literature-based unit study, but then we also talked about how you can base it on a theme. She has a lot of themed unit studies. So sometimes I would ask uh, our daughter in particular, our son was pretty happy to just do whatever I threw at him. She had was a little bit more opinionated. And so- Um, I don't, I don't mean that in a bad way. She just had, she answered questions. He didn't care to answer, I guess. So we would go that, that time in, or if, when she started horseback riding lessons, we made sure to do a horse unit or things like that. So, um, but some families, especially when you're having, when you're doing it with olders. So I would say, you know, fifth, sixth, seventh graders, if they are going to be writing maybe the first paper or something that's going to be more laborious and possibly frustrating, Picking a topic that they love is going to help overcome that. So if you're, if they have to write a paper, um, you know, where they're researching and they're researching, you know, about some character they've never heard about and they're not the least bit inspired to do their research, it's going to be a little bit of a challenge. But if you let them research the history of Legos or, uh, you know, a certain topic or, you know, or the, the armor used in medieval, I don't know any kid who doesn't like to talk about medieval times. So if you pick a topic that is interesting to them Mm -hmm. during a challenging time, um, I think they're going to be more motivated internally just to work through what's challenging. So that's one of the benefits of delight directed or interest, interest led learning. Right. And as their parents, we typically know what our kids enjoy. Yes. Which is probably why I didn't ask them a whole lot. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're probably not going to do unit study on ballet for your son. Like, yeah, he might not enjoy that. In ballet. Now, I will <laughs> say there are sometimes there were some books that were in our curriculum. We we fell in love with five in a row. 
when we, my son was four, we were using a boxed curriculum that I thought was interconnected. Um, but then when we did it for a few weeks, I definitely learned it was there. It wasn't connected. And um, it, it just, it, it didn't give him the connection between the topics that he needed, especially at four. He was a good reader, mm-hmm. but his brain really wasn't soaking it. He, he, you know, they all have different sure. abilities and they weren't all meshing. So then we, my sister-in-law in, introduced us to five in a row, which we'll talk a little bit more about the actual literature based, but we read a book called Owl Moon for the first time and it was a cold winter and we actually had a blanket of snow and we fell in love with happened to be for us literature-based unit studies. Mm-hmm. And I will forever be thankful. It completely set the trajectory for our homeschool mm-hmm. and we never went back. So now that child in particular, at seven months, he would crawl to the book basket and spend all of his hours at the book basket. So wow. for us, that was really perfect. And I just thought, I, we don't ever want to learn any other way. So that was yeah. um, once we fell in love there, we never diverted again. We did do some theme stuff, some, you know, like I said, horses, uh, naval ships, lots of things like that. So sometimes literature and sometimes just a theme. Once you start doing unit studies, you kind of can't help yourself. You pick <laughs> any topic you want and you just kind of start thinking that way. And so do your kids. And so it really becomes kind of a lifestyle Um, and it's really fun. And I also was not the mom who liked planning all the fun stuff. We didn't do a lot of crafts. We did stuff that was purposeful. I definitely wasn't a Pinterest mom. To me, it was just one more thing to clean up. Yeah. I was kind of bad about stuff like that. (laughs) That's okay. I am too. So, (laughs) so it sounds like unit studies are a really good way to, to do kind of the one room schoolhouse type of teaching with your kids because you can, and you talked a little bit about that on Monday about using it for multiple ages and how you can, Mm -hmm. you know, cater to every different age group, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and and again, maybe not so much if you've got a third grader and an 11th grader, but still you can use this in different ways. Did you, were you, were you ever able to bring in, or I should say, did you bring in other curriculum in with your unit studies? I would assume you probably used a separate math curriculum, but did you use other like science and history and things like that? I know you did library books and YouTube videos and things like that, but Mm -hmm. did you use other curriculum? We did formal math and formal reading because a unit study is not really going to teach your child to read if they, I would say every now and then, and I happen to have this kiddo that early three, he was learning to read. Mm-hmm. I happen to be an early reader, so I wasn't surprised, but I, that's that's not typical. It just happens to be sure. that's the way the Lord made his brain. Um, but typically you're going to read, you know, teach your kiddo to read with a phonics program. Right. Um, you know, a learning, a, a top, I mean, a, a curriculum, excuse me, for phonics and then formal math. And then what you would do in your unit study is applied language arts. So you would practice um, quotation marks around dialogue or looking for a comma so that you know breaks in your sentences. So you could use it for grammar as opposed to write 10 sentences and circle, you know, put a punctuation mark at the end of every sentence. I mean, those things that we all did in public school and they're super boring and, yeah, you know, I guess they taught us all grammar at some point, but they're not very inspiring. Um, and then, and then form, so formal phonics to teach them to read. And then generally you need a formal math program. Mm-hmm. However, we don't have to start that when they're five years old. Right. They really yeah. don't need to be starting. God created their brains to soak in information. Yeah. And when we expose our kids to information, they are going to learn. 
Yes. They're going to learn so much without us throwing stuff at them because they're six and they're supposed to learn this now, you know, yeah. it doesn't have to be that way. So I would say, wait until you know they're really ready. Um, yes. And a tiny little t-shirt, a teacher tip, or maybe special ed teacher tip, if you're beating your head against the wall about a concept and you sit down every day and you're, they're not getting it, they're not ready to learn it. Yeah. So set it aside, try again in a month or six weeks and see if they're ready for it then because their brains don't all develop at the same time. So yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's such good advice. And I think that's definitely not just for, you know, special needs learners. Mm -hmm. That's definitely for every kid because every kid has their weaknesses in some areas, you know, yeah. and they're all unique. They are all unique. I didn't start my girls really in formal math lessons until about second to third grade, mm -hmm. but we did math stuff. Like, I mean, we talked yep. about numbers and we would add up, you know, sticks or rocks or what, I mean, like just general math things so that they understood what math was, mm -hmm. but we didn't actually start super, well, I should say with, with Lacey, um, we started probably around third grade and, the, and she was super ready for it. I mean, she loved mm -hmm. it. Um, but before that, you know, we just did, I don't know, fun math things. Um, you know, I, I, I just didn't feel like she needed that at that yep. early of well, an age. Our world is full of numbers. And yeah. when our, when you start thinking about those things, one of our favorite things we did that wasn't any formal math, we went to the beach, we collected a whole bunch of seashells. And so then we brought them all home. We didn't do any of this stuff when we were at the beach because who wants to be at the beach? Right. So we came home and we sorted all of the seashells because generally you have about 10 different kinds of seashells at the beach, you know, in a certain area. We sorted them all. We made a bar graph of our seashells. And that was one of our favorite things we ever did in school. And they're climbing all over the table and which one has more. And, and then you can, uh, you can sort them all by size and yeah. how many do you have of each? And then if you have this many and then this, how many more do you have? There's so much you can come up with. Yes. None of that was a formal math. Now we could do all of that in a workbook with a pencil and paper, Right. but this way, my kids are engaged. They're physically engaged. They're not sitting with a pencil and a paper. We're interacting. We're touching. We're smelling. Mm -hmm. We're remembering that time mm -hmm. at the beach. So uh, it's just such a great way to love learning, exploring, and getting connected with the world that God created. Yeah. You know, I think a lot of times um, when we talk about these things, it, it frightens moms who maybe aren't bent that way. Mm -hmm. You know, they're, they're not the type who naturally can think of and come up with teaching opportunities, but I'm going to say, because I'm, that's not me. That's not really how I'm wired either, but I've learned in my 11 and a half years of homeschooling, I've, I've taught myself how to do that and not that mm -hmm. I do it perfectly, but I want to encourage the mom who's like, well, I can't, I, I don't know how to come up with, you know, graphing all the seashells and figuring out which kind of seashells we have and stuff. That's one of the greatest parts of homeschooling is that you learn along with your kids. And so mm -hmm. you're learning how to teach them as well. Mm -hmm. And and I think we don't give ourselves enough credit sometimes in realizing that we have the ability to do this. It's just we weren't taught how to do this. And so we're we're learning along with our kids. Let's take a quick break. We will be right back. As we try to impart a biblical worldview in our children and equip them to be salt and light in an increasingly secular culture, we need tools to explain how the scriptures mold our view of every subject we teach. We need homeschool curriculum that shows how the Lord rules over everything we learn while stretching our children to follow Him wherever He leads. 
Learn how BJU Press Homeschool has served thousands of Christian homeschool families just like yours by visiting BJUPressHomeschool.com. Are you ready to restore our constitutional republic? Patriot Academy is on the front lines of the mission to educate, train, and inspire millions of citizens to know and live their freedoms. With courses and materials from America's Constitution coach, Rick Green, Patriot Academy's Constitution training will equip you to be a leader in your community. You don't have to know anything about history, the Constitution, or the law to get started. The courses and coach training are free. Find a class today or sign up to be a Constitution coach at patriotacademy.com. Again, that's patriotacademy.com. We are back with Melissa. Um, and and yeah, I like we talked about before the break, I do want to bring that encouragement to moms and just say, it's okay if this stuff doesn't seem natural to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I would say that if you're t- two different things, ask the Lord to help you be a better teacher. Yep. Because he will equip us for what he asks us to do. And uh, clearly, he gave us children, so he has asked us to teach them. Whether we're homeschooling or however, we're we that's one of the things that we do through our whole life is we're teaching our kids. Yeah. Ask him to help you be the best teacher that your kids need. And he will do that because he wants us to be good parents for our kids, right? So yeah. that's I would say that. The other thing I would say is that the more you do something like unit studies, uh, there are some prepared books. We've mentioned five in a row. It's you can purchase it. It has, you know, mm-hmm. they have four different volumes, eight, uh, 18 to 20 books in each. As you do a few of those, your brain will very quickly be trained yep. in in um, in just how to do it. Now, I will say, I should say this part, five in a row, when Jane Lambert wrote five in a row, she did use an elementary scope and sequence to be sure that she found books that gave learning opportunities. Mm-hmm. So for teachers who do, my sister lives in a state where she has to, she does have to follow hers as one of the higher regulation states. And she does have to show that they're doing some stuff that does fit some state standards. Five in a row does that. I didn't have never lived in a place that that mattered. So I was not as worried about that. But for yeah. people who do, this is still, a, you still can learn this way. And five in a row actually made allowance for that as she wrote it. So yeah. I think that's, um, that is important to know about that one in particular. Yeah, that's fantastic. Um, you mentioned earlier, and you've actually mentioned a couple of times about um, students with special needs, special learning needs. Talk about um, how a unit study works well with those students. So the best part about a unit study is, remember, like we talked about, these are content areas generally mm-hmm. that we're studying. And content areas can be learned at all different ages. Um, when you're learning about the seven uh, seven families of the animal kingdom or the seven, is it phyla? I don't remember, of the animal kingdom, it doesn't matter in which at, at which age you learn about that. If you're in uh, second grade or if you're in fourth grade, it mm-hmm. doesn't make any difference. So when you have a child with special needs, you can teach them what they are prepared to learn at that stage. Uh, you can also do, you can present the information in their learning style, and they can share with you what they learned in their own learning style. So what we what we will often do is we'll just say, tell me five of your favorite things or three of your favorite things. And you can give your child a piece of paper and one of your children say, we're going to say we've got a four-year-old and we have a, which a four-year-old, I would not say you need to be doing school, but we have four-year-old little siblings hanging around all the yes. time who want to be a part of things. So we have to figure out a way to include them. So, so say we have a four-year-old and then we have a seven-year-old and then a nine-year-old. They're all going to be learning at a different level. 
And let's mm -hmm. say the seven-year-old has special needs. So if we're going to learn about bears, say we're learning about, um, we'll learn about the physical characteristics of bears. And so the four-year-old might draw a picture of a bear and they that's all we want. Head, ears, paws, bigger legs, right? Can they stand up? Are they, you know, a black bear that isn't standing up? Any of those things. Well, then your seven-year-old might, they might draw a picture and they might specifically label those parts. They might not be a student who can write the labels, but they could say it to mom and mom can write the labels of those hands, uh, you know, paws, whatever, however many fingers or, you know, that that they have. And then your nine-year-old might be um, writing a paragraph about bears, that they hibernate and that there are seven different kinds of bears and or something like that. Mm -hmm. So when you have a child with special needs, you can use a unit study to teach exactly to their learning style and exactly to their ability level. Mm -hmm. And there's no pressure. It's not, are we measuring up? Are we right. doing exactly what somebody next to us is doing? You're learning exactly what God has prepared for that child to learn at that time. And they're learning, they can learn. None of us are good at everything. Yep. And we can pick what's best for them. You can also pick something that they're really good at at that moment. Yeah. And if you need to build them up, and then if you can tell it's a good week for a challenge, then you pick something that's a little bit more difficult. Okay, let me ask you another question. Um, and, and I love that. I love that we have the opportunity to teach kids who mm -hmm. are struggling learners um, without making them feel like they're behind. I mean, it, man, there's so many benefits to homeschooling. I love it so much. It's um, so true. I, I know that a lot of families, they feel like um, chron teaching history chronologically is important. How do you do that with a unit study? Well, so what I would actually say is that it's not as important as sometimes we think it is. You could do it with a unit study, but the way that I would say we accommodate for that desire in a unit study is you put a timeline up and what you can do is when you're learning about say World War One or the creation of the steam locomotive or a diesel engine, then what you can do is you just put that on your timeline and really what younger kids need to learn is that something happened before something else. Mm -hmm. And then something else happened later. Right. So that really is um, what they're needing to learn is that there's a th first this, then this, then this, you know, mm -hmm. order of events. Like you have to stir your cake batter before you put it in there or it's not going to make a cake. Yeah. So they, if you do your timeline, that's one of the best ways to do it. Okay. Also, as they get, when they're that young, they really don't have a great concept of time. And when you're talking to a seven-year-old, you might see that, you know, everything might be yesterday, not a seven-year-old, but... Uh, it's harder for them to see these large, you know, they don't, they can't really comprehend what last year is or, right. or they'll say when I was a kid and they're right. six, you know, <laughs> things like that. So it doesn't necessarily matter that they learn it all in order. Uh -huh. What matters is that we help them see that there is an order. And then when they get older, they have that to filter in. Oh yeah, there was an order. And we'll remember World War One came before World War Two. But when they're eight, that's really enough. It doesn't necessarily matter that they learned about World War I first. Right. Because it doesn't, you know what I'm saying? As, sure. If you're truly learning how World War I then spilled into or affected World War II, then it would matter. But oftentimes yeah. it just doesn't really. 
Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, I'm thinking through timelines and I'm thinking, where would you find a timeline um, that would be fitting for that? I know that Answers in Genesis has a timeline. I'll have to look at it. Do you have a good suggestion for that? Well, yeah. You know what we did? We strung a piece of string with two nails across Mm -hmm. the room in our house. You could do a hallway. You can do your dining room. You can do your kid's bedroom and then get index cards, a Uh pack for 75 cents. And you, I liked paper clips Mm because you can move it however you want to. Take a picture of grandma, put grandma on your timeline. Take a picture of mom and dad and grandma and grandpa together when they got married and all your siblings write the year and stick that paper clip up there on your timeline so you have just an order of events. Mm-hmm. You can move it however you want to. When you learn about the creation of a steam engine, mm-hmm. but have your kiddo draw a picture of a steam engine. You write steam engine, yeah. 1874. I'm totally making up that year. Don't fact check me. Um, (laughs) I won't. (laughs) And then stick it up there. And when you use it like that, it's super cheap. Yeah. It's super easy. If you have to move a lot, it's very easy to take down (laughs) and move. And then your child, again, has a connection to it. Right. Because they have a picture that they put up there. If you are one of those moms who's a little bit of a perfectionist, draw your own pictures or find a little picture of a steam locomotive yourself on the internet and then stick it up there on your timeline. So you don't have to purchase one that has all of your topics because remember with the unit study, you're going to be choosing. Yeah. So you can pick what is the most important thing that you want to put on there. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So that's, that's how we did a timeline and we loved it that way. And we moved several times and it was really easy to move. it just went with you, huh? That's mm-hmm. great. Okay, that's great. All right, we're out of time again, but we are going to come back tomorrow and we are going to actually walk through a unit study with Melissa. She's going to take us through it so that we can actually see it in action and see if this might be a good fit for you and your family. And you know what? Maybe it's a good fit this year and next year, but maybe it's not a good fit the year after. I I mean, it's the beauty again of homeschooling. One of the mm-hmm. many beauties is that you do what's best for your family now. And depending on the ages of your kids and their attention span and their needs and your needs and your time and all the things, you figure out what's best. So we're going to look look at that tomorrow. We're going to actually walk through one. Um, thank you, Melissa, so much for sure. joining me today and talking about this. I'm excited to have you back again tomorrow. You guys, thank you for joining um, us as well. We are so glad that you are with us today. If you've not yet watched the movie Schoolhouse Rocked, The Homeschool Revolution, telling you you're missing out because God is doing amazing things through this movie. And we continue to get feedback of how God is using this movie to change families, like literally change the hearts of parents who are seeing it. They're bringing their kids home. They're encouraged. Moms are encouraged. It's it's incredible. All, all because we serve an amazing God and this is his movie, not ours. So if you have not yet seen it, go to schoolhouserocked.com. You can get all the information there you need on how you can purchase the movie or stream it um, and uh, be encouraged. Share it with your friends. Have a great rest of your day and we will see you back here tomorrow. Bye. What we do at IEW is break through the the noise of the grammar and the writing prompts, and we say, this is what you do, step by step. And I've witnessed it over and over again, both watching Andrew teach and hearing from parents, this is the best writing program. We've made it so easy and made it really affordable. So any mom can teach writing to their children using our course, and we guarantee it. To try three weeks of free lessons, visit IEW.com.